Hello, everyone, and welcome to it. Let's Be Heard for Tuesday, March 15th, 2022. I'm Mike Cachopoli. Well, that's where we are, the Ides of March. <laughs> you know, I was searching on YouTube for just that line. I didn't want, you know, I didn't want the whole, the whole play. I wouldn't have time for that. But I just want that line from Julius Caesar, beware the Ides of March. And uh, it's not as so easy. It's not as easy as you think to find this stuff. And there was some, it's funny, there were some performances on YouTube, which is just awful, like really amateur stuff. I don't know where they get this stuff. But uh, that was one of the better, better clips, better renderings of that line. Beware the Ides of March. And yes, beware, because today's the day you can get stabbed in the back. You too, like Julius Caesar, can get stabbed. Watch out. Beware. There's a lot going on, a lot of scary stuff in the world. And uh, we can't trust anyone these days, can we? We certainly can trust our politicians. How do you like that transition? Is that not a professional transition? Uh, yeah, we certainly can't trust our politicians. And uh, uh, in fact, uh, in particular, our senators, our senators like Lindsay, I love war, Graham. Lindsay, I love war, Graham. Uh, he had to uh, back down a little bit after his stupid uh, uh, proclamation of uh, the hoping for the assassination of Vladimir Putin hoping for the assassination of one of the top world leaders and, uh, of course, never thinking about how he would have felt or how he would have uh, responded to someone like him in another country, a senator or a prominent politician in another country calling for the assassination of George W. Bush during the Iraq invasion. Of course, Lindsey was all for that invasion. See, people like Lindsey Graham are huge hypocrites, huge hypocrites, Totally behind the invasion of Iraq. Totally behind the destruction of a sovereign nation. Totally behind the destruction of a country that was a civilized country before we, we, the United States, destroyed it. And allowed all the wackos to take over, the Taliban, and run the country, which Saddam Hussein, because he knew the landscape, he knew his people, he knew the country, was able to keep at bay. But of course, Lindsey Graham thinks Putin is an evil, satanic person who needs to be assassinated for going into Ukraine. So this is the hypocrisy. And yes, there are many hypocrites out there. And this is something that continues to bother me as I watch the coverage of the Ukraine situation. It's not just the politicians. It's the media, right? It's the left. It's the uh, many on the right. It's everybody. It's everybody except people like myself who believe in c- consistency and despise hypocrisy. I even try to catch myself when I do because we all do it. We're all hypocrites. We all are. But some of us are just incredibly hypocrites who don't seem to ever want to catch ourselves. And this is what we're dealing with now. This is what we're dealing with. Oh, where were the videos of all the Iraqi women and children being killed by our forces? Oh, where were the calls for justice being brought upon George W. Bush, and the leaders of other countries who joined us, the NATO alliance. Oh, where were the calls for the cancellation of American culture and the culture of other countries who joined us? Where was that? It wasn't, I didn't, I didn't see it anywhere. I didn't, I'm guessing it 
Where were the calls for the mea culpa, for being so wrong? Well, lying to us about weapons of mass destruction, lying to people about the connection between 9-11 and Iraq and Saddam Hussein, and, and, the, and the lies that it would be a couple of weeks and it would be over, and the lies that the people there would love us and welcome us and throw flowers at us. These are some of the same lies that Putin's told his people and his military. It would be quick, easy, and the people would love it. So no, there's no consistency. There's just a lot of hypocrisy from politicians which we, who we cannot trust in a mainstream media that we simply cannot trust. We can't. And we certainly can't trust this president who constantly lies and lies and lies and knows after two years of COVID may have been testing the waters. The Democrats may have been testing the waters a little bit during COVID to see how stupid their followers are, to see how stupid Democrats in this country are, how much they can take, how they can be fooled, how much they can be fooled, how quickly they can be fooled, how long they can be fooled. Because now he's simply blaming everything on Putin, hoping this will help his party in November. That it's not his fault. Inflation's not his fault. The high gas prices aren't his fault. They're the fault of a world leader thousands and thousands of miles away that began the invasion two and a half weeks ago. Oh, it's just the atmosphere he created. See, the, see he, he knows that Democrats might be smart enough to realize that inflation and gas prices didn't start going up 17 days ago. That He, he just might think they're smart enough to know that. So, and when someone like Peter Ducey brings it up to Jen Psaki, well, hasn't this been two and a half weeks now? Just two and a half weeks? Why weren't you blaming this on Putin three months ago? Why didn't you use him as the blame six months ago? So knowing that his people are dumb, but maybe not quite that dumb, his followers, people who voted for him, are, are really stupid, but not maybe incredibly stupid, he has to say things like, well, I'll play a little 10-second clip because I can't stand listening to him for more than 10 seconds. But where he'll say, oh, no, it's not. it was the atmosphere created, the unrest created. It was the, the aura that he created around the world of instability that created this. That's what he has to say now. Thinking maybe my people aren't incredibly dumb, just plain old dumb. So, but they'll buy this. They'll buy this. They'll buy it, that... Putin created this atmosphere, this instability around the world financially that caused gas prices to, to skyrocket, inflation to skyrocket. It wasn't my policies. It wasn't my policies. It wasn't the Democrat-led lockdowns and destruction of the economy for two years that did this. It wasn't that. It wasn't that. You see, we blamed Russia from 2016 to 2020. That wore out. Then we blamed COVID from 2020 to 2022. That wore out. Now we'll start blaming Russia again. We'll never take responsibility. We'll never take responsibility for lying about Donald Trump for four years. The Russia, Russia, Russia crap. In particular, among other things. Like his personality would start a war. We don't take responsibility for COVID, for the lockdowns and the, and the destruction of businesses because of the lockdowns and because of things like forced masking and forced vaccine mandates and passports and people losing their jobs and such. And you know the destruction that was caused by lockdowns and COVID mandates. 
We're not going to take the responsibility for that. We're going to blame Putin and Russia, and then we're going to blame a virus, and then we're going to blame Putin and Russia again. This is great. And let me tell you, once Putin and Russia fizzles out, hey, the fall winter comes. We can blame a virus again. We can blame variant number 37, whatever the hell it is. And we can blame people for not getting the fourth jab that the Pfizer CEO, the Pfizer CEO says we need. The Pfizer CEO. So this is constant. This is this is the this administration, how 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 low they are, how despicable they truly are. To not take any responsibility. That their party's not taking any, any responsibility whatsoever for what's happening. For the fact that most of us are so, 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 so much more in debt and our lives, our, our quality of life is so much lower than it was just a year ago, let alone two years ago. That we can't, to, we can't afford to fill up our tanks anymore. That people are trying to make the decision between, you know, am I going to have lunch today or am I going to fill up my tank today? Many people can't make the decision not to fill up their tank. Because it's even worse than that. Am I, am I going to feed my family tonight? Am I going to have to skimp on food tonight or, or, or fill up my tank? And a lot of people, like I said, cannot make that decision to not fill up their tank because they must get to work. You elitist privileged pricks who say things like just get an electric car or don't buy gas, use your bike, walk, take public transportation. Uh, most of this country is suburban and rural. People need to drive to get to work. Some people need to drive 40, 50, 60 miles or more to get to work. They, they, they spend an hour or two hours driving to work, whether it's on the highways or on the rural roads. They need gas in their car to, like, make a living, you idiots, you fools. <laughs> you, elit- you, you elitist, privileged assholes. They need the gas. And it's not out of this it's not it's not out of the possibility that gas will be ten dollars a gallon in some places. Ten dollars a gallon. It's already like seven and a half a gallon in San Francisco here in Los Angeles, New York. So ten dollars a gallon is probably right around the corner in some of these places. Five dollar plus average is probably maybe a week or two away. But yet Buy an electric, buy an electric car. Just walk. Take take the subway. <laughs> take the subway if you're in Iowa or Nebraska. Yeah, if you're in North Dakota or South Dakota, take the subway. Just walk. Walk through the cornfields, forty miles. You know, and the electric cars aren't exactly cheap. Most people have a car. They can't afford to buy an electric car. Some people have cars that are only worth $1,000, $1,500. They can't afford to buy an electric car. This is the disconnect, the absolute disconnect. I understand this, and I live in San Francisco. I've lived in big cities my whole life except for once. By the way, I've lived in one of the biggest cities in the world, New York City, and one of the smallest cities in the world, Arizona City, Arizona. New York's got, what, 8.5 million? I think we had 3,000 in Arizona City. So I know life in big cities, and I also know life in small towns, but most of my life has been in, in major cities. And I know the differences between living in a city of 8 million and a city of 3,000. It's a huge difference. It's a huge difference in lifestyle. It's a huge difference in culture. 
But we have, we have like the, a person who's the president of the United States who doesn't understand this. And he comes from Delaware, right? But it's not exactly. It's not exactly like he comes from Manhattan or Los Angeles or whatever, Scranton. Still, if you're truly Scranton Joe, you should understand that most people need to buy gas and can't just afford to pick up and, and buy an electric car in places where you can't even charge them up. No, he knows the real answer is to allow drilling here. That unfortunately drill baby drill is a reality. We may not like it. We may not we may wish it was like 30, 40, 50 years in the future from now and we don't have to do this. But right now we have to. Right now to, in order to survive, for people to be able to survive and make a living and feed their families, we need to tap into the oil we have in this country in like states called Texas. They're, they're dying. They're dying to drill, but they don't, get the, they don't give them the permits. The permits aren't there. They're not allowing it. We have answers here right in this country. We don't have to go to Venezuela or Saudi Arabia and be more beholden to these places, especially the nut jobs in Saudi Arabia. So the responsibility is on the administration. It's on them. It's on the Democrats. It's on the, the party and the president who has been in office for the past 14, 15 months when things have declined. It's his fault. It's their fault. It's not the fault of Putin. It's not the fault of Russians. It's their fault. And they don't want to take responsibility. I had the, his little 10-second thing queued up and I lost it because I went to the Ides of March thing here and I lost the I lost Bush's thing uh, Bush's, listen to me, Bush listen to me, Bush, no, Biden's anyway, it was just basically 10 seconds of him saying it's Putin's fault that's all in fact, I said it in a, in a clearer fashion than he could ever do so yes, everything is Putin's fault everything is Putin's fault we're not going to take any responsibility, but, but the idea that you believe your, your, your voters, those 81 million people, many have seemed to have already disappeared. He's trying to get them back, I guess. They just magically disappeared in a few months' time. I think it's the first time that's ever happened. The first time that's ever happened is the, the, pres- the president that gets the most votes ever, ever, for president of the United States, loses almost all of his supporters in like four months. Poof, 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 like mail-in ballots, poof. Hey, no conspiracies here. No conspiracies here. I'm just saying. That's a fact. The guy got 81 million votes and they're gone. Where are these people? How do you get 32% approval out of that? I don't know. I, I just, you know, I'm not great at math. You know what I'm saying? Maybe people out there that are better than me at doing the math thing. You know, two and two, four. I know that. Three and three, six. Six and six. What is that? 11, 12. I got it. But I don't know. 81 million votes in November of 2020. And by, what, June, July of 2021, it's a 40% approval, 39% approval. How does that happen? I don't know. I'm no math expert. Maybe Nate Silver can give us that answer. I have some ideas. Most of my ideas are not conspiratorial. I think my ideas are like, I think really probably the reason. I know some people want to say it's, you know, fraudulent election. Always a possibility. I don't think it's the first possibility. I think my reasoning is 
is that those were 81 million very soft votes. They were anti-Donald Trump votes. I think I've talked about this, but it's been a while. They were, they were anti-Donald Trump votes. Not all 81 million, maybe 60, 65 million, were anti-Donald Trump votes, not pro-Joe Biden votes. So it's very soft. That support's very soft. Most people are voting against the other guy. And then once that guy is out of the picture, the guy that they stay de facto voted for, they never really cared for him in the first place. It doesn't take much for them to lose interest in him. So I think that's what happened. I think the 74 million people that voted for Trump, the overwhelming majority, I'd say 90% of them, really love Trump or they would never vote for the guy. So if you're looking at like, I know Joe Biden, if you believe in the election, was fair, got 81 million, Trump got 74 million, that's a 7 million vote difference. But I think we're looking at Joe Biden's 81 million, maybe 60 or 60, I'm saying maybe 20 million of those votes were for Joe Biden, a little more, maybe 30 million, were for Joe Biden. They really liked Joe Biden. But the 74 million that voted for Trump, almost all of them loved him. So maybe Trump got 60 million votes for him, and Biden got maybe 40 million votes for him. So if, you, if, you, if you're looking at like, People who voted for the person, they really loved and adored the person they voted for. I bet you Trump won by about 20 million votes, maybe even more. I'm actually being generous to say 40 million, half of Biden's votes were for him. I don't think it was that much. I think the media, the left media, and the media in general, ginned up so much hatred towards Donald Trump for four years. Remember, Russia, 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 Russia. His personality would get us into a war, blah, 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 blah. January, well, that came after the election. But there was so much hatred. I mean, Donald Trump was evil. He was satanic. You could not let him have a second term. That, uh, you know, he, 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 tweet, he, he tweet bad. He tweet, he tweet bad. <laughs> you know. We had, we, we had to cancel the president from Twitter because he's tweet so bad and so mean. You don't want this guy having a second term. So, so much hatred was ginned up for Trump that Biden got a lot of those votes. But this is what happens when the person that wins isn't really liked. This is what happens when you have an election where most of the people vote against someone, not for someone. That's the problem with our election. That's the problem. I'm not just, it's not just the Biden-Trump election. It's, it's many elections before that. This one was just the worst of them. This one is just the, the best example, if you will, of that kind of voting. I mean, it happened in 2016 too, right? In 2016, the problem with Hillary that Biden didn't have is that Hillary was just totally disliked as a person. Biden wasn't. In fact, Biden was actually liked as a person, at least back then, not so much now. So back in 2016, you had the same situation. You had people voting against Hillary Clinton, against Donald Trump, not for anyone. This is a problem. This is a problem in our elections here that that people don't vote for don't, don't, don't vote for the, the eventual winner to the point where they are universally liked at least for a period of time I mean Trump never had a 70% approval Biden didn't, never had a 70% approval we've seen this in the past when people actually vote for someone when they vote for someone when the person that wins is actually universally liked by the majority anyway, you at least see their approval in the 60s or 70s at the start. 
and maybe even later than just the start, and also at various points of their presidency when things are going well. We don't see that anymore. We don't see that anymore. I believe we had it with Ronald Reagan. I believe we had it with Bill Clinton for a while. We had it with Barack Obama for a while. But, and you know, W, his, his, his rules just went up during war at 9-11, right? It was like 70, 75% after 9-11. But it caused that. It caused, it caused that, that tragedy for his approval to go up. It was in the basement before that and, of course, shortly after that, back in the basement again. So this is the problem with our political – I didn't mean to get into our politics here so much. But thinking about it, that's a huge problem. That's a huge problem. And I think that is the reason. That's the reason why Biden's 81 million voters went away. So fast. Once Trump went away, there was really no need for Biden anymore. So yes, Biden is explaining away his failures. Explaining away his failures. And as I said, in a country where you had smart people, in a country where you had smart voters, you couldn't do that. You would have to take the responsibility. You would have to take personal responsibility. I hear you, I see you, I understand, and I'm adjusting and I'm changing. You don't have to do that here because the people are so stupid. They'll buy all this stuff. They'll buy the boogeyman. Look, they bought Trump, right? Trump was the boogeyman. Putin's the boogeyman. Blame the boogeyman. Blame the boogeyman. I wouldn't, I, I, you know what? I guarantee there's a chance to actually use that language when they're talking behind the scenes. Blame the boogeyman. And right now, Putin is the boogeyman. Again. Again. Well, the good thing about... The good thing about that situation is that at least they're not begging for the no-fly zone anymore. You notice that about five or six days ago, that went away. Because they realize they're not getting it. And they shouldn't get it, and they're not going to get it. So, at least that has stopped. So... I think that that was the right decision. I have to give Biden credit for that, although it's an easy decision. I mean, it's it's actually a no-brainer. It's a no-brainer. But at least he made the right decision. In a weak moment of dementia, he could have made the wrong decision and we'd be in a world of shit. So that's good that that talk is gone. I don't have to hear it anymore. Um, But I, I think we're in the situation now where it's, it's, it's almost as though like virus is going to virus, Putin's going to Putin, and, and the outcome is going to be the outcome no matter what we do at this point. You know, if a virus wants to get into everyone, it's going to get into everyone. And if Putin wants to take Ukraine, he's going to have it, and that's just the way it goes. So we need to look at, I think, where things go from here at this point, and that, that question is uh, open, and I hope to have someone on at some point here soon, maybe the next week or so, that can really talk about the reality of where we go from here. The reality. There's a deal struck. Putin gets most of what he wants. That's what I believe will happen. A deal will be struck Putin at some point here. Putin will get most of what he wants, and that'll be the new reality of the world. And there'll be no NATO in Ukraine and no... No weapons, no U.S. or NATO weapons pointing at him, which is what he wanted. And I think they'll have to just deal with that. 
Look, let's, let's face it. We say, oh, we can't let Putin get away with everything. Get away. But we get away with everything when we want something. Bush got away with all he wanted. Bush got away with Iraq, right? He, of course. Of course he did. The United States wanted to do what they wanted to do in Iraq. And it doesn't matter that 80% of the world was against us. Remember, almost as, almost as many countries were against what, we're do, what we did as are against what Putin's doing now. And remember, it was, it, was ins- it was insane when they were talking about, when Bush was trying to talk about the countries that were behind us, and it was like nations you never heard of. You know, it was the, most major nations were not for what we were doing, yet we still did what we wanted to do. In Iraq, Afghanistan, we did whatever we wanted to do. Because we're the United States, and we're much more powerful than Iraq and Afghanistan, and they're Russia, and they're much more powerful than Ukraine, and Putin will do what he wants to do. No matter how much the rest of the world screams and yells, no matter how much the United States screams and yells. This is the, this is the idea of the bullies. The United States and Russia are both bullies. That's one thing, once again, we don't want to admit. Our politicians, our media doesn't want to admit. We're a bully also. We've bullied many countries. We've gone in and assassinated many leaders. We've put our, we've put our dummy leaders in in other countries as well, our figurehead leaders. So it's, it, there's no difference here. There really is no difference here. You could say, yeah, Putin, okay, he, he, he kills people. He poisons people, I suppose. I suppose. But this is not a game. This is not a game of, oh, you're worse than I am. I mean, that's the kind of game they're really trying to play. You're worse than I am. We don't know how bad. We don't know, we don't know the, the, uh, the workings of our government, the inner, darker workings of our government, if people were assassinated or poisoned. We don't know that. We know when someone's poisoned in Eastern Europe, when someone's anti-Putin is poisoned there, everyone assumes Putin had him killed. But it's at a point now where it's like you cannot – we have no moral high ground. I mean Putin said that and he's right. We have no moral high ground here. We can protest as much as we want. We could say it's wrong and yeah, it is. Any kind of war is wrong. Any kind of invasion is wrong. But it's almost as though we're talking as though we've never done it. And we're talking as though we didn't just do it. 18, whatever it was, 18 years ago, 19 years ago. That went on for two decades. We, we even talk about, we're, we're talking as though we've never done this before. We're talking as though we're, we're, we have such moral superiority here. And that's what bothers me. It, it really bugs me. We talk as though Iraq never happened. Or anything we've done before that or since then has never happened. We've never done anything bad. We've never killed civilians. We've never sent our soldiers to die for unjust reasons. We've never done this. Never. It's that hypocrisy that just I find incredibly disgusting. Incredibly disgusting. And it's, it's like it haunts all the coverage of this. It haunts everything that has to do... It, it, I wish we were. I wish we had that moral superiority. We can say, you know what? You son of a bitch, you're evil and you're wrong. And we never did that and we never do that. I wish we could do that. But we cannot. We cannot. And if you're out there saying we can, you're wrong. 
You're being ignorant. You're blind to the reality of the situation. And I don't want to hear, well, this is worse because this, this, and this, and that was better because this, this, and this, and the situation back then was this, this. Bullshit. Bullshit. We don't have moral high ground here. What we could do is say, you know what? This makes us really reflect on our, on our dark history. This makes us reflect on, on, on dark history of a long time ago and recent dark history. And you know what? Let's, let's make a pledge and never do this again. Never do something like this again. Never do something like Iraq again. But no one's talking like that. No one's talking like that. No one's saying this is affecting me so deeply, looking at what's happening here, that I'm able to reflect on what we've done, and we must never do that again. Who, who said that? Has Lindsey Graham said that? No, Lindsey Graham is basically Nixon in that interview where he says when the president does it, it's not illegal. When the United States does it, it's not illegal. That's what Lindsey Graham is basically saying. That's what he wants to say. He may never say those words, but that's what he says all the time anyway, basically. That's sotto voce. When the United States does it, it's not illegal. Well, I didn't really expect to talk about Russia for the entire show, but just getting to me. It really is getting to me watching this and and thinking it's almost as though our history, as recent as it may be, has been wiped out here. It's like Iraq never happened. You even have W talking against this. I mean, give me a break, man. Just go golfing and shut up. Make, do your stupid drawings of yourself in the shower. <laughs> I mean, it's just in, absolutely insane. Absolutely insane. Well, tomorrow I want to talk a little bit more about, uh, about our current situation with, um, with COVID. Where does it stand? Have we forgotten about it? Have we forgotten about it? Are we going to talk about that fourth jab that the Pfizer CEO says we must have? We absolutely must have. And how many more jabs will you how, how many more jabs will you take? That's what I want to know. How many more will you take? Where does it end? At the end of the day. Let's talk about that. I want to talk about that also. When is the end of the day? Is there an end of the day? At the end of the day. Everyone says that all the time. Anyway, this has been a Tuesday show. Remember, beware the eyes of March. Watch your back, everyone. This has been In Let's Be Heard. I'm Mike Ajopoli, and I'll talk to you tomorrow.